everyone. Welcome back to Main Character with Yasmeen. I'm your host. Who do you want me to be today? I genuinely am having an identity crisis, so I don't know who the fuck I am constantly. Um, but let's go with I'm Yasmeen today. That's what we're going to be doing. That's who we are today. Also, once again, I'm missing a pinky nail. Here's my here's the gist with that. It's the fact that I got my nails done yesterday, less than 24 hours ago. I was at a nail salon getting my nails done and I was washing my hands and my pinky nail slipped off. It's it like slipped off so easily. It's like it's like a dildo going inside of a vagina. So when you're so wet and it just like goes right in, that's how much it slipped right off. That was disgusting. Okay. Um, a couple of things are happening. Let's let's should we have a debrief of the week? Should we do a debrief of the week? I like this debrief of the week. Debrief, debrief, of the week. This is a segment, as in I just debrief what the fuck's been going on this week. First things first, Henry Kissinger died. Ah, war criminal died. Oh, okay, that's sad. Any death is sad. So. Yeah, he, we're going to talk about Henry Kiss a little bit later. I know we all had to read his books in middle school, high school, high school for history class. And then George Santos, my favorite drag queen, my favorite congressman, my favorite thief, my famous, my favorite, my favorite liar, my favorite. What else is he? Um, activist, my favorite gay. He's he was kicked out of Congress in a unanimous vote by both parties and I was like honestly that man sorry he he worked so hard to get to what he, he that man to me George Santos to me is an enigma of of every you know like when people are like the devil works hard but like this no like George Santos works harder than the devil and like its own in his own way him and Chris Jenner once again, in their own way. Um, do I hate George Santos? No. Do I love George Santos? No. Do I think he's kind of a legend in some awful demonic way? Yeah. I hate him. But at the same time, like, he was busting his badussie so hard. He was He was like, I'm the first. He had so many lies. This man, he reminds me of, like, every narcissistic high school boyfriend. That's what George Santos is in my eyes. And there's one thing that I really, I saw this week that I, I, it has boggled my fucking head how this man, a man, period men, how this man can get a Netflix special and bomb, not making an Arab joke, bomb so badly that like he loses every fan base that he had. Right. And this is Matt Reif. Matt Reif. And you know what, though? I have to give it to him. He's I'm talking about it. So he's getting publicity. If there's one thing he's doing is getting publicity, but for the wrong reasons. This man, he had a Netflix special and I've seen him do com um, do stand up in L.A. And he was genuinely really funny. And a lot of his fan base in the beginning were women because he's like an, he's a hot guy. Like he's attractive. Um, his jaw, though, fake. That butt chin, fake. And teeth, fake. That's fine. My lips are too. But he he started off his Netflix special like right from the get-go making a domestic violence joke against women. Something about a woman with a black eye um, and how she should be in the kitchen and she's probably not in the kitchen so she got beat up for that reason. Still waiting for the joke. 
like crickets. Crickets. Can we add crickets in here? Let's add crickets. Crickets. None. No one's laughing because it's objectively not funny. Okay. And my thing is, if you're going to make an offensive joke, let's, let's call it, let's call it what it is. I'm going to say this. If you're going to say an offensive joke, it better fucking land. It better be so fucking funny. We forget how problematic it is. And 99.9% of the times, it's not. And I think all these offensive jokes are such, as a comedian myself, it is such a low blow. When I say low blow, it, that's just so easy. It is so easy to be offensive in a joke. That's like an easy way out. And I'm like, that's, a, that's not smart comedy. That's not smart. And so when people were upset by it, what he did was he got... Um, helmets specifically for individuals with special needs and he linked it on his Instagram and was like if you're offended by this joke if you're offended by this joke you need this fucking helmet huh I'm confused I'm confused because that doesn't make sense I like that that objectively once again not funny if you're gonna say something offensive a better fucking land this is not funny Matt Reif and so when he went on an interview and he's like, they're like, so you have a, you have a big fan base of women. He's like, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I just, oh. <laughs> shut up. Shut, literally shut up. I'm sick of people being like, I just don't want to be pigeonholed. I just don't, I just don't want to be pigeonholed. Like, shut up. If you're going to be successful, you need to start somewhere. And if you have a fan base, that's demographically one area of the spectrum fucking ride with it they're the ones who are putting you on the map and you're out here disrespecting them especially something like domestic violence which is objectively not funny it is not funny at all and I could laugh at some dark shit not funny and so I just don't understand what his thought process was and I know he has a lot of comedian friends too which I'm like didn't you guys you guys had to have like watch this before or like he probably should have workshopped that in front of you shouldn't you guys say something and so he's not a fan of the men aren't a fan of him well maybe they are now the women aren't a fan of him he's just objectively not the moment anymore he, I think he's really screwed it up do I Yasmin Hamedi think white comedian men should take an indefinite sabbatical from comedy I do I, what I do think is they should take an indefinite sabbatical. I want you gone. When I go to an open mic this week, I don't want you there. I, what, I, I don't want you there. Got it? Cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. Oh, are you offended by that? Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't know men were so sensitive. Mm, take a joke. It's just a joke. Fucking hell. So I... I've been going to open mics a bunch of times. And also the amount of stand-up comedians in New York is, it's like, you'll meet someone, right? You'll meet someone and they'll be like, oh yeah, I do comedy. I'll be like, oh no way, I do comedy too. Oh, fun, fun, fun. And then you see a fucking Joe in the back going like, oh, I do comedy too. And then you see Loran in the back. Oh, I do comedy. It's like mine, mine, mine. You know that part in Finding Nemo where you just have a bunch of the fucking seagulls going mine, 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 mine. It's like, I do comedy, stand up, stand up, stand up. I do stand up, I do stand up. Shut up. We all do stand up. I understand. I understand up. Stand up. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. And also like the stand up scene in New York is so much more cutthroat than LA. And I've said that before. But sometimes I'm like, y'all are not funny. Wait, I'm I shouldn't be saying that I'm trying to make friends right now. But like 
some people are making jokes that are just objectively not funny. Like the amount of white, once again, I go back to saying this, white men in comedy need to take an indefinite sabbatical. You're done. Your time is up. Ah. You're st- I'm tired of it. The clock strike 12. You're out of the game. Ballpark hit. You're no home run, honey. You're going home. You're going back to Kansas and we're going back to where you need. I need to stop getting so many goddamn phone calls when I'm doing a podcast episode. I wish I had an assistant anyways, but that's that. That's what I've been noticing. And it's so annoying. Although I love making stand up friends because it's nice to laugh. It's a good. T- I love. I, I. I've been making a lot of friends who do comedy here, and I'm. I'm really excited about it. It's like new friends. I've told you with my social contract that I wrote. Um, that my terms and conditions list that I wrote while moving to New York. It's I'm going on one friend date a week, and I have been doing that, and it's super exciting because I'm actually making friends. It's so cool. It's flirty. It's fun. It's funky. Ah! I've also been reading a lot. Should we do a round of applause? I have been reading and writing a lot. And it's so funny. Like whenever I pick up a book or take out a pencil to write on a piece of paper, I feel like that's cottagecore. Like imagine the photo of Kim Kardashian, you know, when she did that photo shoot of her and like all like, like Laura Ingold Wilder's like little house on the prairie photo shoot. That's what I feel like. I, when I take out a book and I read cottagecore, when I take a shower and I don't have my body wash scrub and I use my hands to wash my labia, cottagecore. When I wash my sheets and make the bed, cottagecore. It's, when I walk barefoot anywhere, as in my room, that's cottagecore. Everyone thinks cottagecore is like ribbons and like upstate New York vibes, like long skirt, plaid. No, cottagecore is wiping your labia with you. that was fucked up is that crazy is that crazy of me to say no but I really do think that's cottagecore another thing that's cottagecore brushing your hair before bed when it's like perfectly after you shower cottagecore using a pad instead of a tampon cottagecore walking to your destination rather than taking an uber cottagecore the list goes on and on for what is cottagecore and I am redefining it as my own Thank you for listening. End of the episode. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys next week. No, but going back to the book that I was reading, it's actually a play. It's called Nine Parts of Desire. And it's about different women in Iraq who some of them are American Iraqi and it's written by an American Iraqi woman. Um, And it just talks about the different parts of one's identity coming from their homeland, um, what it means to them, what troubles are. And I... Which is also so cottagecore of me to like get in touch with my identity. But like I think it goes so much. It shows a lot of what's going on in today's world of fighting that identity of figuring out who you are um, in a world as in, for example, me living in a Western society, me living in Western society and in the greatest country in the world. And I put that in air quotes, um, the United States. It feels like I live in in an echo chamber of hypocrisy. I feel like I always see that, like the Republicans are all hypocrites, blah, 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 which they are. Like, I think conservatives are all hypocrites and I'll get into that later in the episode. But I also think I'm a hypocrite. The Democrats are hypocrites. Every single person, your social justice warrior is a hypocrite. Your barista at a coffee shop is a hypocrite. Your mother's a hypocrite. Everyone in your life, every fucking person in the entire world are hypocrites. 
And I know everyone's like, well, I'm not. Well, if you're saying you're not a hypocrite, automatically that makes you one. Um, And we'll get into that in this episode because I feel like I've been noticing a lot about hypocrisy in the West and how that's going on right now with the international chaos that is going on. Um, And I feel like we should talk about it. What we're going to do, what we're going to do in this episode, it's talk. If there's one thing I'm good at, in life, it's talking. But before we start, I quickly want to discuss a little bit that's been going on with me. Um, so we had Thanksgiving. <laughs> Awful holiday. Um, but loved being with the fam. I was upstate, so I was kind of living my cottage core. Cottage core, cottage core, cottage core, cottage core. If I say cottage core one more time, please send me a cease and desist. That's my new thing. I want to threaten people going forward now where you're getting a cease and desist. No, because you're getting a cease and desist. What's going to, ha- I'm filing a lawsuit. Cease and desist. What I'm going to do, sis, is cease and desist. Cease and desist. It's simple as that. And so, um, where even was I? Oh, I was upstate and I was living my little dream of um, Little House on the Prairie vibes. And so, it, I, I realized I kind of really want to be a horse girl. I, I love horses. I think they're magical creatures and beings. And I really feel like also really weird. I grew up, my dad loves horses. Like he has, I counted 17, whether they be statues, paintings, photos, or little, um, uh, Lego toys of all horses all over. He's a horse man. Has he ever ridden a horse? No. My dad has never ridden a horse in his entire life yet. He's like obsessed with it. He's like chivalrous, gallant. This is, that is his Roman empire, our horses. And I wonder why he's like, this is a stallion. I'm like, Megan the stallion? No, he's like, no, this is a horse. I was like, well, you need to listen to Megan the stallion then because she's just great. And there was no correlation to that except for the name. But I think that's where I kind of get like my little horse from because I really, I think there needs to be a case study on horse girls. And when I say horse girls, I mean the girls in high school and college who were equestrians who like always have photos of them like by the bar and like smiling right in front of like this like getting up on the saddle like here's me with my little like beige pants and my high-rise boots and they always have the nicest asses I feel like horse girls have great butts and and I'm not trying to sexualize anyone but like I just feel like automatically you're beautiful if you're a horse girl and I think that's because I really wanted to fit this um idea in my head of what a horse girl was and that's like a girl after school going I'm gonna go just go ride my horse which is also so cottage core. But that reminded me of like how much I just wanted to be a part of that of what a girl wanted to look like. Like I I was the girl in high school who was obsessed with a thigh gap. Like I I think thigh gaps they're cunty. Thigh gaps are incredible. Do I have one? Absolutely not. Do I want one? Sometimes. Like Monday through Thursday, I'm like I love my curves. I'm a curvy girl. I'm so 
curvy core like you someone like like my girlfriend likes something to hold on to at night kind of thing whereas like on the weekends come Friday to Sunday I want that thigh gap I want it so, like I'm bending over in every mirror photo of myself just to somehow get a sliver of that like BBL thigh gap like right in between your thighs I want that little sliver of you could see behind me I'm like bending over like at full 90 degrees like a right angle core if I say core one more time I'm send a cease and desist and I'm just going down like that that's how much I want a thigh gap on the weekends I'm working on it in therapy what does that have to do with being a horse girl I just kind of correlate horse girls with thigh gaps is there a study on that I have no idea should there be a study on that I think so speaking of thigh gaps the gym I I think I have perfectly timed the minutes and the thresholds I have and I need from my gym to my apartment to shit. It's been a long time coming. I have IBS, which means it is so hard. My bowels, they don't move. What what they're not doing is moving. And so I personally... I have a hard time doing that. So I take probiotics and like I always do abs at the gym after to kind of get things going a little bit. And I feel like I've perfectly timed how long I need from after the gym to my home to take a shit. It is, um, I've got it down to a fucking science. Like I, all I need, I think is I need 16 minutes. And once the 17 minute mark holds up, I start turtle heading. So I get to the apartment. I put my stuff down, go to the toilet, go to town. I'm in there for 10 minutes. It, it, it's a, I, I have, and I know you're thinking that is so fucking, I, I'm sorry. I, I perfected that. I have perfected it to a science. It is, it takes time and it's, and it's a long time. And that's something I'm really proud of recently is like figuring out my bowel movement schedule. I write it down like on my to-do list for the day, like in the morning gym, 10 minutes for my shit. It's really true. And I know people are going to be like, ew, that's so gross. Grow up, literally grow up, grow Grow a pair. Grow some ovaries. Yeah. How do I make this transition where we're talking about really dark, awful topics, yet I want to bring levity and humor into it? Because for me, I start spiraling when I see so many awful things. And I'm like, well, I just feel paralyzed. I spiral into oblivion. So I'm like, how do I go about this? And I feel like some of the best, best ways to discuss any hard topic is to bring hope in it at the end. Somehow, some way, we have to, right? I have this uncle and yeah, some of my family members are not going to be happy that I'm saying this, but also it's my podcast. I own it. I have this uncle, right? And he is he is an immigrant from Lebanon. He is a uh, gynecologist or he's an OBGYN. He's a veteran. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, and he is a alt-right Christian leader. He lives in the South and, and I, I, I adore his kids. I adore his kids. So my cousins are amazing. Um, and this man, this man is the epitome of using the Bible and using a beautiful text from a religion for evil. Like I genuinely think his mind is evil. Um, he 
said that anyone who has an abortion is going to hell. You are killing someone. He doesn't believe in immigration, even though he is a fucking immigrant. He um, is very pro-Trump, pro-hate. He is Blue Lives Matter all the way. Protect our troops. And it's just so shocking to me. And everything that he posts, he attaches it with a Bible verse or a story from the Bible. And it's just so shocking to me because like, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Bible say not to wear mixed fabric yet? There you are in that Facebook photo wearing cashmere and cotton. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But also, didn't the Bible say not to eat shellfish? Yet here you are in this photo on Facebook eating a spaghetti with shrimp. Oh, but maybe I'm wrong. Wait, but also didn't the Bible say no divorce yet here you are divorced? I don't know. Everything just seems kind of fishy to me, right? The Bible says so many different things. And I am very for using religious books, whether that's the Torah, the Quran, the Bible, um, whatever religious text that you look up to or you read or your your faith is a part of. I'm all for taking the good parts of that because I feel like that was the original um, intention with writing a religious text was probably to spread good, right? That's what I think. If you're using that to spread hate, like a lot of these politicians are, like a lot of these leaders are, you're a fucking hypocrite. You're a hypocrite and you're stupid. Sorry, you are. I think of like Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro using like the Torah and the Bible to be like, well, trans people aren't real. But like, shut up. You are spreading hate and you're spreading just lies behind a mask that is religion. And that to me is fucking insane. That to me is insane. It's all just hypocritical. And I think what I'm trying to do in this episode is kind of like, I've just been noticing so much hypocrisy all over the board and I'm a part of it. Like I am a hundred percent a part of that. And we're going to talk about how I'm a fucking hypocrite. Absolutely. I am. And when I was writing the outline for this, I'm like, well, I actually don't do that much. I just don't. Uh, 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 yes, I do. I am a hypocrite. And I'm actively trying not to be, but also I think there's levels of hypocrisy. Like I'm not committing mass murder in a different country for the sake of safety. I'm not that type of hypocrite. I'm more of a, I'm more of a hypocrite in the sense that like I'm saying, stop using plastic straws. Stop. Um, uh, you need to recycle. You should compost, blah, blah, blah. Yet here I am ordering fast fashion stuff from um, Zara. Here I am ordering Amazon. Yet they're awful to their union workers. Yet they're awful for the environment. Yet Jeff Bezos is a billionaire and I don't believe in billionaires. What does that make me? I'm Yasmin Hamadi and I'm a hypocrite and I approve this message. You got to acknowledge it, right? I want to start off with a topic of abortion. <gasps> Abortions! Shut up. Literally cry me a river. Whether you want an abortion because, and I'm a woman, so this is something that's very near and dear to me. I've known people who have gotten abortions. I have talked to people who are workers at Planned Parenthood. I have discussed with people who have safely 
take in the people who are getting abortions directly into the clinic for their abortion from people who are throwing rocks at them. This is something that is very close to me. And I was brought up in a home where my mom, one of the first like first social aspects that she taught us was about being pro-choice, her and my dad. And that comes from like, they're very, they're not religious people, but they're very spiritual and they're very like, you know, they're not like super, super left, but they're not right either. You know, like they're, I'm more left than they are, but they're like pro choice to the maximus you can think of. So this is something that's ingrained in who I am. And it really does have all to do with the environment in which you grew up in. And I think about politicians, for example, the entire Republican Party. You have the Republican Party, and we obviously don't know who our runner-ups going to be, but we have like Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I fucking hate. I hate all of them, like Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump. I don't like these people as individuals. I don't. I actually have nothing to say. I think genuinely all of them are hypocrites, specifically Ron DeSantis and Vivek, the biggest hypocrites. So all of them are at the forefront of we are anti-abortion. We are pro-life because the Bible said that all life must be protected. And it is my God-right duty. It is my God-forsaken duty to protect every fucking zygote and fetus that's in the uterus of a woman. A cis woman. That's all we know. Shut up. Shut up. I just find it rich. Mm, it's so rich. That they're so worried about having the protection of fetuses because that is something that is their God-given right and God has sent them a message to protect these unborn fucking zygotes, clump of cells. Yet that fully goes away once this child is born. It boils my fucking blood. And I've talked about it on Dare We Say, but how convenient, how convenient it is that that's a cause you want to give a shit about. Yet you are silent when it comes to the foster care system. Silent. Where kids are growing up in foster care homes that can't even take care of them. That they're growing up in homes where their parents who've had them can't afford to take care of them or aren't in the right mental mindset or have the capacity to take care of them. Yet, you want to take, you want to make sure that they're born, right? And take away the right of a person who's having the kid, the right to say, I actually, I'm unfit to have it, or I don't, I simply just don't want to right now or ever. But a man should be able to have a say. No, I don't think, unless you're the person who's holding the, the fetus in your body for nine months, I think you need to shut the fuck up. Sorry. I think unless you're holding it for nine months in your body, I don't want to hear something come out. I don't want to hear a peep come out of your mouth. All I want to hear is support, understanding, and, and, and empathy. Or sympathy if you can't, if you can't empathize. That's all, genuinely, that's what I expect. That's, now that's cottage court. No, that's insane. Um, but that's, it's like you care so much about the unborn, yet you completely turned a blind eye, not even a blind eye. You actively don't give a shit about, I don't know, free universal health care for the entire country. So you want to take care of these kids? Well, these kids don't even have fucking health care. If they break their arm, they're going to have their family's going to go into debt so they can get a cast, get an x-ray, get it, whatever scan that they need. 
physical therapy? What about free education, like adequate universal education from preschool to community college to state college? Yet, no, you're going to have to take out loans and you're going to have to be paying these loans for the rest of your life. What? Like, I feel like I'm just having question marks all in front of me, like question marks, exclamation marks. Like, huh? It's kind of like that, you know, the math signal where you just see a bunch of math. Like, make it make sense. Make it make sense. And so it's just really getting me angry. Trying to find hope in this country in which we are supposedly, once again, the greatest country in the world. And hypocrisy has been at the forefront of this great nation. There's this article written in the Boston Globe. And the title of this is America's Hypocrisy Comes Back to Bite Us. And this goes back to uh, Henry Kissinger, God rest his soul, um, in the 1970s when there was a an uprising or what the prime minister of Pakistan, um, that there was an insurrection in East, East Pakistan and the Bengalis were going to overthrow the government and blah, blah, blah. And what Kissinger said was Kissinger was the national national security advisor for the time um, for um, president Nixon. And one of his famous quotes was the use of power against seeming odds pay off. So always using your power and the upper hand that you have against seeming odds, whatever that may be, will always pay off. But instead of fighting the targeted terrorists, and I put that in quotations, they just ended up killing around like 50,000 Bengali civilians, innocent. Like It was a mass slaughter. Yeah, but seeming odds, right? Or when the U.S. invaded Iraq and Afghanistan to fight bin Laden. Yet it turned out to be just killing tens of thousands of innocent civilians. I mean, we see it right now with what's going on. The U.S., our tax-paying money, is killing innocent Palestinian people. And the hypocrisy to me is we talk about constantly save women and children. Save women and children. Well, talk your shit then. Save women and children. I'm absolutely behind that. Yet, when it comes to be Arab women or children, black and brown women or children, we just forget automatically. We just pretend that, well, you know, they were a part of it. They're, 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 they're somehow related to the terrorists. And the reason why I started off at the beginning of the podcast saying, we're all hypocrites. Some more to bigger degrees than others. And I always talked about the Republicans and the conservatives. Absolutely. They are big ass fucking hypocrites. But so are the Democrats. When we as a nation, majority of the nation is calling for a ceasefire, a permanent ceasefire, which I don't think is all that crazy. Like return the hostages back to Israel, make them safe, stop killing and be making Gaza a graveyard for kids. That doesn't seem crazy to me. Like that to me doesn't seem all that radical. And when people are getting dropped from their agencies and everyone's afraid to talk about it. And I think, and here's my thing with this. I think it's okay to talk about it as long as you're not being Islamophobic 
anti-Arab or anti-Semitic. It's not hard to not be hateful. And I say, and I say this with everyone around me, every single person in the world deserves to live a life of freedom and liberty and, and joy. So I'm, I'm confused as to why we're forgetting why that just, we forget about that. The second it comes to black and brown people, I just, I don't understand maybe because I'm raised by Arabs. And the fact that I'm even afraid of saying that should, should, should talk about how crazy the situation is. And here I am. I'm privileged. I know that. I'm in my studio apartment. I have four walls. I have running water. No one is monitoring what I get in or what I get out. I am, I have free will as a human being. Yet it's just, it's hypocritical. Even me. I have been very cautious of what I post and repost because I don't ever want to spread misinformation. I don't want to ever spread anything hateful to any community ever. And I realize I haven't even been posting anything that's going on in Sudan, the genocide in the Congo. And I'm still using and like there's a massive mine of the things that we have in our iPhones that we're getting from the Congo and the people are dying for it. And yet I'm just willfully ignorant to it. I am a hypocrite for that. And I'm going to do better to, to, to acknowledge that and to do my due diligence of research and, and donate my money and, and call and call for a call to action. And I'm not trying to make this like a, I sound like, I sound like the opposite of Candace Owens, like on the other side where I'm like, who's like a Tucker Carlson. I sound like that. I just think I'm talking about something that matters to me. I'm going to read you what I wrote in my notebook last night because I feel like I was just thinking a lot and this is the cottage core of me writing in my notebook but no but the hypocrisy of it all is I'm getting it on my phone because I have a photo of my notebook that I wrote on that's insane that's not cottage core of me okay I said I guess what I'm trying to say is that being an Arab I'm nervous to even write that feels like such a lonesome experience every corner isolating it reminds me of any test or job application where you check the box to say what you are and the only category for me is other. To not be seen for my fullness is cruel. I know I share this with all of my Arab siblings globally, which makes me feel a little less lonely. Oh, how cute. But it's true. I do feel like that. And I think I'm just trying to figure out what I can do as a consumer and as like a person to say something and do something hypocrisy is all around us and what I define hypocrisy as is virtue signaling and fitting a criteria of a moral code that aligns with what you think should we take a look at what hypocrisy actually means okay I will look up what the actual definition of hypocrisy is right now. 
Okay, hypocrisy is the definition. It's the practice of claiming to have one moral standards or belief to which one's own behavior does not conform pretense. Basically what I said. I am Webster. Um, and you see it all over. You see it with these um, animal lovers. I'm one of them. Sorry, I'll say it. For example, in this one, I I love animals. I'm always like, let's protect all animals. Animal rights should be at the forefront of things. Yet I eat meat. I eat chicken. I eat fish. I have a dog that um, was from a breeder. And I have a rescue. Both of them. I'm a hypocrite in that sense. And I completely stand with that. And there's so many other ones you have, you know, the the eco-conscious girlies and the eco-conscious guys that they only care. For example, I knew a lot of guys in college who were like, I'm um, voting for Trump, but I'm completely against his environmental policies, blah, blah, blah. But obviously for money reasons, I'm going to vote for Trump. Yet I'm like, yet you're the one saying that the environment matters to you and caring about the planet, yet you're voting for a man who completely wants to, like, disintegrate the EPA. Got it. Got it. Because that, because that makes sense. What? I also, once again, am a hypocrite. And I, this is with all my friends. Like, if g- girls are going on dates with guys, and this is also very hetero, like, y- you know, the guy should always pay for the meal objectively that is hypocritical because we want to be treated the same as men like equality blah 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 but like I still am a firm believer if you're going on a date with a guy like he should be paying for the first date like I do believe that I tell my friends that all the time but does that go against what I'm saying about feminism and equal rights absolutely once again hypocrisy and I feel like the whole notion of tolerance which I You know, those bump when I was in high school, I always saw like on people's moms, like bumper stickers is like tolerance. And like it has like all the religious symbols. It has a bunch of different flags and it's like tolerance. No, mama, you're only tolerating the people that you agree with. You're not tall or the people that aren't hindering you. You aren't tolerating anyone. And I know a lot of conservatives look at liberals as hypocrites in the sense that we are supposed to accept everyone and we accept all ideals and all all um, opinions, yet when they don't agree with us, we get angry, which is true. We do get angry. And I do get angry at it because they are objectively wrong. But if you look at it from like, I don't know, a philosophical standpoint, that is hypocritical. And I feel like growing up, you realize more how we live in such a hypocritical world. And I think a lot of that has to do with willful ignorance and this unspoken moral code um, for which every one person aligns with within their own meter. Um, And I think there's a lot that has to do with that because you obviously, like, you know, we have the social contract. We have so much of what is written to be, that is the rule book so to say. And I think of that, like, for example, that makes me think about right off the bat, the Constitution. And it's so crazy to me. And this is, once again, a lot to do with the West. And I do believe, like, Westerns, we are more advanced. Like, we are. We have bigger, like, our technology, we are, our um, way of going about things, our our system, so to say, our our social lives, you know, and I'm very comfortable with that. Like I love 
Like I, I'm very comfortable. I like living in the U.S. It's a privilege to live here. I understand that. But when I look at the Constitution, you know, and you have freedom of speech, press, religion, I just think that's bullshit. Because when you look at the people who wrote the Constitution, there are a bunch of white guys, like white George Washington, Alexander Hamilton. Yes, I loved Lin Manuel Miranda's rendition of it. Adore the man. But was Alex Hammy really like that? Probably not. Um, John Adams and all these other people like they didn't have girls like me with perky tits and uh, um, a size 31 with an amazing ass and a t- sorry a pigeon just flew almost into my window pigeons that's another episode I actually want to talk about birds we'll get into that but they didn't have girls like me on the forefront of people who should have rights they didn't they didn't even know a girl like me with perky tits should even be like would even be alive they only thought about men they weren't thinking about black or brown people I mean they massacred the pilgrims massacred the indigenous people who were here before and they knew what they did and they didn't even think about them when writing the constitution Another thing, the Second Amendment, like Second Amendment rights. I think of Tommy Lauren. Second Amendment rights. I'm a, I just care about Second Amendment rights. Guns. I love guns so much. I want to shove an AK-40 fucking seven up my coochie and just drive it up there. Get those bullets, bad boys. It's time to go shooting. Let's go skeet shooting. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Water gun. Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear it because back in the day in 1776, they weren't having ammunition where you can load 50,000 fucking barrels all at once and massacre a whole school in a matter of minutes. No, they had to reload it. It took like five minutes each time to load one single bullet. They were also worried about the British are coming, Paul revering their ass, coming in and taking their homes. And, 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 and stealing their food, stealing their stuff. That's what they were worried about. So all of this bullshit of guns um, in the right to bear arms is complete and utter bullshit and hypocritical. That's why I think the Constitution is hypocritical because they weren't, they didn't even fathom that we could be having any of what we have today. Do you think, do you think George Washington knew what the fuck AI was, honey? Elon, Elon, this is to Elon Musk. Do you think Alexander Hamilton knows what X is or knew what Twitter would become or Bitcoin or a fucking electric car called Tesla, which I do like Teslas. I do. I'm sorry. But do you think they knew any of that? Nor Emma, nor they didn't. So that's the problem with the con. And, and the fact that we base someone's like, whether they go to prison, whether they like their their livelihood and whatnot based off something that was written so long ago. And yes, I know there are rules and, and clauses and sections that we added over the years and and court rulings that, you know, are updating them slowly. But surely I understand that. But like it doesn't sit right with me. But obviously, you know, like whenever someone goes to law school and, you know, court like judges and lawyers and clerks, I mean, they're all basing off a document that was written, which was ahead of its time. Nonetheless, like I do think what they did was incredible. Like it's it's really stellar work, boys. Like it's 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 great, but it just doesn't apply today. 
to what we know as much as we like to think it does. I think it should be updated and added things on and like stick to that American core value of of the right and the liberty to happiness. Wait, what is it? Oh, no, it's the hold on the life. I do agree. And we could, that's funny as fuck me not knowing it. Um, but the right to people having life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I absolutely fundamentally agree with that. Absolutely. But does it actually hold true today? You tell me. So there's that. And so I think for this episode, what I'm trying to get at is we're all hypocrites. We all hold a certain moral standard, a certain personal standard for ourselves and for the people around us and for the world globally. But I feel like change doesn't happen unless you acknowledge you're a hypocrite. Because there is beauty in hypocrisy. That means you change. That means you change your opinion as long as you know that you're being a hypocrite and you hold yourself, you hold yourself accountable and you do better with it. So some questions I'm asking myself is if I'm so for the environment and I really care about the well-being of our planet, why the fuck am I eating meat? Why the fuck am I ordering Amazon? Why the fuck am I not really do like like why am I wasting things? Why am I not buying vintage or thrifting as much as I can? Why am I not doing X, Y, and Z? And that's some, and, and another thing, like why am I not speaking up for the Congo and Sudan and other countries that are experiencing oppression beyond compare? That's something I have to hold myself to. Because I am a hypocrite. A sexy one too. But I am a hypocrite. And we all are. And I'm not trying to put you down and say, you're such a shit person. No, because uh, chances are you're an amazing human. I think all humans are born amazing and beautiful and kind. And it's the environment in which you grow up in and the lived experiences that one goes through that shapes what your opinions are, what you believe in, and how you uh, go about the world. I sound like a fucking preacher right now, but... It's true. So if you got anything from this episode, it's cottagecore is hot. And to really think about what you as a human today actually give a shit about and how you can not be hypocritical about doing it. I mean, I guess that's just like the human experience, right? The human experience of learning, changing, growing, and making this world a better place while acknowledging hypocrisy, while acknowledging privilege, while acknowledging X, Y, and fucking Z. So that's that with my hypocrisy spiel. So do what you will with that. Um, I hope this episode gives you light, luxury, rich. I know. I hope you learned something from this episode because I'm still learning. I'm still fucking figuring it out and learning who I am in this world and what my purpose is constantly. It's something I think about every night before I go to sleep, but I hope you do. And I hope this podcast episode helps you figure out what your role is and how you need to unlearn shit. And like you have the ability to change the world. You should do something about it. So yeah, I will... See you guys next week. 
I'm going to get this fucking pinky nail fixed. It makes me want, I'm going to, I'm sending up that cease and desist pronto. Um, and yeah, I'm excited for the next week. I'll see you guys next week and um, kisses. Bye, guys. Make sure to like, subscribe, download all future main character with Yasmin episodes and major thank you to our incredible editor and producer, Max Shepardson. I'll see you next week. Bye.